0: You know as Christians, there is no greater joy that we have than to share the life-transforming, powerful truth of the gospel in the world in which we all currently dwell. A message of salvation through Jesus' sacrificial act upon the cross which He gave freely to this world freely. To every person in this room today, but let me ask a rhetorical question: When was the last time that you shared the cost of following Jesus during your evangelism, during the you sharing the hope that is in your heart to someone at work or school or whoever it may be? When was the last time? that you shared the cost of following. Even maybe considered it within your own life as a Christian. We are right to share Jesus' death and resurrection. Absolutely we are. And this hope and forgiveness found through him because it is truth. It's not a truth. It is the ultimate truth and a truth in, in which our faith. In him stands. But are those that we are evangelizing to willing to accept the cost? Accept the cost of following Jesus, the cost to them personally, the cost to those around them, their family, their friends, the cost to their lifestyles. In the world, and the cost to their dreams and their desires? Do they even know the cost if a Christian hasn't shared it with them? What about those of us who are Christians here today? Are we still living with the cost of discipleship as a, as a, as a foundation? the way that we conduct ourselves or do we need to have a bit of a health check between us, God's word and him. In today's passage we'll see that Jesus presents to the crowd following him the prerequisites of being one of his disciples and the importance of carefully considering the cost before committing your life or their life, to him fully. A truth that is still so relevant today as it was the first time Jesus spoke the words. So if you have your Bibles with you, we are jumping back into Luke 14. Okay, I'm going to give this a go. Yes. Well done, lads. Don't worry if you haven't got your Bibles with you, though you should be bringing it to church. It will be on the screen for you. Luke 14, 25 to 33. Today, we will be also touching on this passage next week. But for today, Luke 14, 25 to 33. be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king not renounce all that he has, cannot be my disciple. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being here this morning, freely, to be able to worship you, to learn from your words. Today's passage is not an easy one, Lord, and the cost of discipleship is not easy, So I just pray, Lord, this morning that you give us all ears to hear and hearts to receive, whether we are a Christian or not, the truth of who you are and what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus has left the dinner party that he has been in, uh, which we've looked at basically throughout the whole of the month of August. And we're told that he's being followed or accompanied by a great crowd. Now, one of the questions that I pondered was, well, why were they following him? Why were they following him? Was it because they had awakened to the truth that Jesus was the Son of God? He was the Son of God and they had surrendered all to follow him. The truth is, I would suggest not. Where I am sure that there were those who listened to Jesus and sub- and and applied his teaching, I would suggest the more realistic scenario is that the crowd simply loved his miracles. Oh, they got off on the miracles. Oh, we you know we, we loved all the healings. Maybe some of them were healed himself, and they were like, yeah, come on, let's. Let's, let's follow this rabbi. And quite probably many of them were there because they loved the free food. Who wouldn't? Do we not like free food? Jesus was the cool rabbi. He was the latest rabbi that they could cling to. He was the talk of the town. He was the latest fad, if you will. Their focus was more likely on what He did for them rather than understanding who he was to them and also listening to what he expected of them. But Jesus knew this. Time time and time throughout the Gospels, we we hear Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knew this. He knew their thoughts. He knew they were not following him necessarily necessarily for the right reason, which is why he stops and presents his requirements to all that were following, his requirements for them to be his disciple. He gave all in the crowd a choice to make and also called them to consider their choice wisely. What does this look like? Well, if Jesus, let's just assume that Jesus has said to humanity, Before you can be my disciple, you must be willing to, now I'm going to put a disclaimer in here, if you don't like clowns, turn away. If Jesus turned around to humanity and said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to dress as a clown every day of your life. Right? If you want to be my disciple, you've got to drive around in a clown car for the rest of your life. And every time you go out and you you share the gospel with someone or you share the hope that's in your heart with someone, you have gotta pie them in the face, right? Would you not seriously sit down and count the cost as to whether you want to be his disciple or not? Now, this is a, this, this is just a silly example, but the principle's the same. The principle's the same. Though before I move on, just out of curiosity, who would still follow if this was the requirement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. It's, and like I said, it's, a, it's just a silly example to make the point that there are requirements that Jesus gives to all who either follow or want to follow him. And we have to count the cost. So what is the prerequisite, the requirement that Jesus commands from all who wish to follow? Verse 26, 27. If anyone comes to me, does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear their own cross and come after me cannot be disciple. My disciple. These are arguably some of the hardest-hitting words that Jesus spoke in the Gospels. Salvation is a free gift from God to the world, but to follow Jesus as a disciple isn't a free ride. It requires sacrifice, It requires obedience. We can profess to have faith in Jesus, who he is and what he has done, which is fundamental, isn't it, to our faith in him. It is the foundation of salvation and it is the entry point into restored relationship with God, which is incredible. Did Jesus not say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life? Anyone who comes to the Father or... No one comes to the Father, excuse me, except through me. That is the wonderful gift of salvation. But we must be careful not to think that all we must do is have faith. Okay? Bear with me here before you start running me out with pitchforks. Because if that was the case... I could easily tell and go, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I can go off out, out into my next week and do whatever I want. Say whatever I want, swear my head off, take drugs, drink profusely, sleep around. But I can say, yeah, I believe Jesus is who he said he was. There are requirements that Jesus says, you believe in me and that's good, your salvation is secure, but now you go on this journey. Now you go on this journey of sanctification, of becoming holy as I am holy. It doesn't just stop at that point when we give our life. Unfortunately, in today's world, you see that so often. In conferences and all these things, come, come down the front, give your life to Christ. Well, celebrate now, that's it, you're on your own. Where do they go? What do they do? Who's going to disciple them? Who's going to show them what to do? but more on that next week. It doesn't just stop with that decision. Faith is an ongoing affair. Faith should lead us to a discipled life. Discipleship means surrendering all to follow the ways and the teaching of the teacher. The Baker exegetical commentary on this passage says it this way, faith is an entry point into relationship with God. Discipleship is fundamentally a call to allegiance. Faith is an entry point into relationship. Discipleship is fundamentally a call to allegiance. I'll fall on my knees before you, God. I am here. Every part of me, Lord, is for you. Whatever you will. Whatever you call, my allegiance is to you and to your cause on this earth. This is exactly what Jesus is saying here. He's drawing a line in the sand, explaining exactly what he expects from those who desire to follow him. And in doing so, he shares two clear requirements. First one. You must hate all those whom you hold dear, even yourself, before you can be a disciple of mine. Pretty hard hitting, isn't it? Question, rhetorical. (laughs) Just before I stuck in. Anyway, question, rhetorical. Is Jesus really saying, is he really saying to me, Craig Gibson, that I have to hate my mother? That I have to hate Kelly. That I have to hate Sky, Naomi, Jack, Stuart, Sarah. Is that what he's really saying? Is he saying I've got to hate myself? Because that's pretty hard to take if that is what he's asking me to do. Now we cannot avoid the reality that Jesus is using a very strong word here to make his point. Misao, in the Greek, does mean to hate. It does mean that. But it also means and can be rendered to love less, to esteem less, which is Jesus's intending meaning of this word here in this passage. Jesus is not using the word in its literal sense, but but he's using the literal meaning of the word to gain the attention of his listeners in order to introduce them to the gravity of the truth that he is trying to share with them and to make to those who are listening. The truth that declares that Jesus must have and deserves to have absolute rule and sovereignty over his followers' lives. No family member should ever take precedence over commitment to Jesus. And no personal desires, no personal wants, no personal ambitions, whatever it may be, dreams that any follower of Jesus has should never take precedence over commitment to Jesus. I mean, just think about it for a moment. For those who have, uh, have been a Christian for a while, it wouldn't make sense, would it, if Jesus was calling us to hate all of these people, does he not say, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength? And what? What is he going to say? You love your neighbour as yourself. He'd contradict himself. And we know that's one thing that God never does. However, much a lot of people try and accuse him of doing so. He does not contradict himself, because we cannot make it, but but he he uses that word hate to try and get a reaction, to make them sit up and think, to listen, to bring their ears back. Of course we are to love those around us, care for them, cherish them, be there for them, but never at the expense of placing them above our desire and commitment for Christ. Kelly knows this in our relationship. Jesus is first in my life and always will be. And I will not put Kelly above my devotion to Christ. But neither will Kelly ask me to do that. She would never ask me to do that, and vice versa. And I wouldn't put her in a situation where she had to put me before Christ. But, anyone who knows me knows how much I love and cherish her as I do my children. You see the difference? The same goes for our desires, our wishes, our wants, our passions, our dreams in life. Is it wrong to have them? No. Of course it's not wrong to have them the characters we have the the dreams that the brain we have that can dream it's all god given there's nothing wrong with having dreams that's why that's why some of our guys are, have gone off to college and to you know apprenticeships and university they have a dream of wanting to do something with their lives there's nothing wrong with that at all but to prioritize and pursue these things above our commitments and dedication to Jesus is going against Jesus' prerequisite for discipleship. Your devotion to Jesus and his calling on your life must always take precedence. Anyone who wants to follow Jesus needs to understand and accept that no one and no thing can ever come before our worship, our love, our adoration and our service to Jesus, the King of Kings. Point number two, second requirement. You must be willing to take up your own cross and come after me before you can be my disciple. What does it mean to bear our cross and come after Jesus, But it means something very different, I would suggest, to us today, or we think it differently today than they would have done 2,000 years ago. Crucifixion was one of the worst punishments mankind has ever concocted. It was brutal, painful, and feared by all who would see it and watch it. It's hard for us today to imagine because it's not part of our judicial system. Praise God. But to the people back then, they would have been shocked to hear Jesus say that. And it's not the first time he said it. They would have been shocked to hear him say that because they knew the meaning of taking up your cross and the consequences of doing so. In essence, death. A pastor at Questions explains it this way. To a person in the first century, the cross meant one thing and one thing only. Death by the most painful and humiliating means human beings could develop. 2,000 years later, Christians view the cross as a cherished symbol of atonement, forgiveness, grace and love. But in Jesus' day, the cross represented nothing but torturous death. Because the Romans forced convicted criminals to carry their own crosses to the place of crucifixion. Bearing a cross meant carrying their own execution device while they faced ridicule along the way. So what does bear our cross mean and what does it mean to do so and follow him? But at its very core, as a disciple of Jesus, you must be willing to surrender all to him and be willing to face whatever this fallen world throws at you for being his disciple, his follower. It means being willing to be rejected and ridiculed by your closest friends for your faith. It means potentially being alienated from your family. And we all know people, or many of us know people, who this has happened to. It means loss, potentially, of your reputation, of your street cred, of your status in the world, within your job, wherever it may be. It could even mean you losing your job. Because you will not, you will not be forced into what the world tells you you must do in your workplace that goes contrary to what God says. And it may even mean that you will be willing to lose your physical life if it came to it. As many Christians around the world still do today and have done for thousands of years for the sake of Jesus and the gospel. Not easy, is it? We've had the privilege of praying for all our young people today, particularly those going off to uni and college and apprenticeships. And These are big life changes. And particularly, I just want to speak to you guys, who that really does apply at the minute. Some of you are moving away from home. Some of you are stepping away from underneath the banner of your family dynamics, of your home life, of your Christian overview, if you will, and from your church family stepping out to follow your dreams, which is good, and it is exciting that you are stepping into the world which, by default, is hostile to Jesus, It's hostile to Christ and the faith that you have been introduced to and taught by your families and by your church. The world which wants nothing more than to entice you into its passions, into its desires, and to turn you away from everything that you have been guided into. Guys, you've got a choice to make. Will you succumb to those temptations, or will you choose to stand upon Jesus and make him your foundation wherever you're going and whatever you're doing? When all your mates are off doing worldly things because they think it's cool, getting plastered down the pub or the clubs. Because that will happen. Right, when you're in the clubs with them and they're offering you drugs, yeah, come on, it's fine. Listen, it's real, this is life outside. When you're being encouraged, yeah come on, who will know, let's go back to your place. It's only sex, it doesn't matter, it's just a bit of fun. You will face so many things when you go off out into the world by yourselves. Remember who you are. You are a beloved child of God. You are made in his image. He cares for you. He desires to be in relationship with you. Don't fall into the world's ways just because friends around you are telling you so. And stand strong if they turn around and go, ah, And laugh at you for not doing so. Remember who you are. Stand firm on that. It will be tough but remember what your parents taught you. Remember what your church family have taught you. Remember what your youth leaders have taught you. And I tell you, if it gets tough and you are feeling the pinch and you are feeling the devil having a a go at you and you don't want to speak to any of your parents and give me a call. Because I'll come down wherever you are and we'll work through it. Okay? Friends, God, God is a righteous God. Amen who cares deeply for every person on this planet and cares deeply for every person sitting in this room today, whether you are a Christian here already or whether you are not. He cares deeply for every one of you. He is a caring God who knows that without him, there is no hope for humanity. And he is a loving God. God, who came to willingly sacrifice himself upon that Roman cross so that all can have an opportunity to be saved from the coming judgment because of our rebelliousness toward God. Oh, there might be some of you sitting here, or when you're out evangelising, there might be some people that turn around and go, I'm not rebellious, I'm a good person. Some might even turn around a God. "I don't even believe in a God. But you'll probably face that quite a lot. Really? Really? If you are putting your family, your friends, your jobs, your studies, your wealth, your integrity, all of these things, if you're placing all of these before your allegiance to Almighty God who created you, and calls upon you to worship him and be in relationship with him, then yes, you are being rebellious to your creator. And the only way to avoid the consequences is faith and commitment in Jesus. Because as we have said many times in this church, uh, uh, during this journey through Luke, there is a consequence to rebellion to God. You may not feel it now, right? Because the devil doesn't want you to feel that fear, that righteous fear of God. But one day we will all stand before him and we will have to answer. Christ Jesus is the only way to freedom and to newness of life now and for eternity. Are there those of you today who have not surrendered to him? Will you surrender to him? You might sit there and think, ah, you're weird. Do you know what? Yeah, we are. (laughs) Right? But I'll tell you what, there are people in this church who are incredibly bright. Most of them, actually, are incredibly bright. You have got people who are at the top end of their game in this world. Incredible professional people. But they still understand their allegiance to Jesus. It's not weird to follow Christ. It's the most sensible decision you will ever make. It really is the most sensible decision you'll ever make. You might be sitting there and people may say to you when you're evangelising, well, if I'm to willingly sacrifice all that I have to follow this Jesus, then what are the benefits? Well, here are some to consider. Purpose. 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 You understand when you're a Christian who you are. Who you were meant to be. Why you were created in the first place. It's not the only reason that God put you here, but it's the primary reason. You know who you are. You know you have purpose. Because God wouldn't have created you if you didn't have purpose hope. When life gets tough, when we face trials, when it seems like there is no way out, the hope that we have in Christ will see us through. It will see us through and it is and always will be an ever-present comfort in our hearts and in our heads. Fellowship, companionship. As a Christian, you have a sense of belonging. Part of a family which works together to look after its members. both spiritual health, material health, and social needs, and be there just to help us get through the grind of life. Peace. Oh, do you know anyone that's spent any time in pastoral care, however long or short, knows the burdens that people carry. The burdens, the weights on their shoulders. Do you know one of the most amazing things that a Christian or anyone could ever truly understand is the forgiveness of Christ upon their life. The things they've done the things they may have said that they regret and they've carried with them for years. Christ says, lay it all at the foot of the cross. Let it go, because I forgive you. Don't do it again, but I forgive you. You're washed clean. Now go and live for me. That's one of the incredible benefits of being a Christian and giving your life to Christ. You can give away those burdens because it was all done upon the cross and paid for upon the cross. Oh, there's loads I could have done today. Eternal life. Eternal life. However much we think, we will live forever. And particularly when you're younger, you do think you're going to live forever. Right? It's one of the biggest lies. There is one absolute in this life, one absolute, well, there are two absolutes, that we're born and we will die. You can't avoid it. However much people have tried to aim for, you know, find the the fountain of youth or whatever it is, to try and live forever, it's a lie. It's a lie. We will all die. How sad is that for someone who isn't a believer in Christ? But he comes back to the hope, the hope the Christian has is we know that when our days on this earth have come to an end, we are reborn. We are reborn and we get to dwell and live with Christ forever. Isn't that a beautiful thing? These and many more are wonderful benefits to following Jesus. But before someone makes the decision and bringing it straight back to the point we're making at the beginning, they must count the cost. They must count the cost before they pick up their cross and follow, which is why Jesus uses these two analogies to make his point to the crowds when he was speaking to them. The first analogy was the man who wanted to build the tower. And Jesus says... But before he does so, he sits down, does he not? And he thinks it through and he works it through. Am I able to finish building this cross before I make the commitment to do that? Where's Steve? Where's Steve? There he is. Steve's Steve's a builder. You'd sit down and count the cost before you even start a building project, wouldn't you? Right? Can we finish it? Don't worry. and the second one, you know, the second one that Jesus shares, the king, the king who faced this great army coming against him, he only had a thousand warriors the, the, the people coming, it was it a thousand, I can't remember how many it was now a thousand, ten thousand, the person coming against him had twenty is he going to blindly just go, righto, let's go anyway, well if you're, if you're What's his name? The 200 Spartans, maybe so, but we're not all Spartans, are we? Um, but he doesn't. Jesus says he sits down and he looks at it and he considers the cost and then decides to go off and try to make peace with whomever this force is. If you don't do those things, you're foolish. You've got to count... The cost so it is with the decision to follow Jesus. We must all count the cost and decide if we are willing to stay the course, but more on that next week. But we have to, as Christians, be willing to share the cost of following to everybody whom we may evangelize to, else, we're lying to them. We're lying to them. We're not being totally honest. We are to a point by sharing the love of Christ and what he's done for us and the forgiveness of sins and the hope in him, yes. But we know that following Jesus as a disciple is not always easy. And his requirements are high. Can I invite the band up, please? sweaty and falling asleep. Friends being a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus is not a game. It's not a game and it's not always easy. In fact it may cost someone everything in this life but on the other hand it will cost them more not to follow. Jesus made the point of being very clear what he expected of all those who would follow. And the truth is that compared with what he did for humanity on the cross, it's not really much to ask, is it? We too, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, need to be honest with those we share the gospel with. Out of respect for them as image bearers of Christ, remember we can we can get through this life because we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're not doing it on our own, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. The cost is high, but the Holy Spirit is with us to guide us through it. Okay. More on that next week. We must present all the facts as Jesus did present the prerequisites as Jesus did, and present the cost to them as well as the benefits so that they themselves can make an informed choice as to whether the cost is too high or totally fair, taking into account the truth that none of us deserve to have a choice in the first place. That is purely down to God's grace. Amen. Shall we worship? Amen. Thank Thank you. you.